Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Well, hello, Canada. Today's date is March 24th, 2020. It's Tony here in Saskatchewan. And it's Lewis in BC. And boy, do we have a bombshell for you. Oh, man, do we ever. Um, It's funny because I woke up thinking, boy, did Canada ever dodge a bullet. And then as I got home and read more, it was like, boy, did Canada ever dodge a tactical nuclear strike. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not kidding, man. You're not, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that. No, it's absolutely insane. And uh, as I started reading more, it just led me to think of more and more and more things. So um, what yeah. are we talking about, Canada? Um, you'd heard me allude yesterday that, Parliament was going to meet and was going to pass a, a spending bill. And I, naive as I am, because I don't have these uh, access to these these bills beforehand like the media and other MPs do, I innocently believed it was actually a spending bill. However, it turns out it was so much more, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't just a spending bill. It was a um, give us the power to spend all we want bill. And and a give us the power to tax all we want bill and a give us the power to take over companies bill and a give us the power to break uh, patents bill. That, that, that sounds about uh, like a pretty good summary. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like they, were, they actually were going to reverse the results of the last election and give themselves an actual dictatorship. Well, and really, You're, that's what it what it was came down to. It was it's a uh, way to put it. it. It is like one one of the clauses in the bill talked about being given the power to spend and tax unlimited amounts of money, whatever they wanted to, uh, until December of twenty twenty one. And then some clauses had no expiry date, and what people who aren't politically savvy would not have thought of is that also would include budget bills, which of course we know are, are votes of not of confidence in the house, which they could have skirted around by having this pass saying, Hey, we don't need to ask parliament for spend money. And you're right. Then they become the dictators. So yeah, yeah. It, it would be a de facto dictatorship and uh, all because they wanted to skirt the House of Commons. The House of Commons would not have to give its approval for anything. Well, exactly. And, you know, the first thought I had as I started reading more about it was this is the Justin Trudeau that I've come to know and despise over the years. And I'm not sorry that I gave him credit over the past few weeks for his government's handling of of the situation when, when it's been due. But this right here, that's the Justin Trudeau that I that I know. That's the Justin Trudeau that I expected. And unfortunately, leave it to Justin Trudeau to politicize a national crisis like this. Yeah, and 
And I mean, you heard me on this show a week ago or a little more than a week ago say that I was actually quite happy with the way Justin Trudeau. And during, during through all this and I got to take that back now. Yeah, of course, of course you do. I mean, because uh, whether this was his his play all along or this is just something that Gerald Butts handed to him, I don't care. He's um, he's a tool. I mean, I know you'd use that reference for a different politician, but this, this happens not to apply to Justin Trudeau right now. And this right here, what they t- attempted to do... Um, to me is a perfect example of why Aaron O'Toole is wrong and they should not invoke the Emergencies Act. Oh, exactly. Yeah, and I'm going to actually quote one section of, and I got this from a Global article, and there was 20 clauses to this, this spending bill or this aid bill, and so I thought to myself, that sounds like an omnibus bill when it was supposed to be um, simply passing an aid package and Pierre Polyev had said that's what the Conservatives were prepared to support and then yeah, was 20 sections of it and one of the sections was going to include the Public Health Events of National Concern Payments Act which, was go- which would allow any cabinet minister with the approval of the finance minister to dispense quote, all money required to do anything end quote, in the event of a public emergency what? You've got to be kidding me. All money required to do anything. That's the word. That is the exact wording. The yep. Wow. Sounds like it was written by a 12-year-old. No kidding. I thought that would never make it through the Supreme Court. Now would it? <laughs> That's insane. And I mean, and first of all, I want to apologize to our listeners. There's an awful lot of noise probably coming from my end. And that's just because I'm on the road. I'm driving right now. Um, now, the one thing that I saw, uh, my my MP, Dan Albus, uh, posted today because he's one of the conservative MPs that's in Ottawa oh, good. for the, for the uh, uh, reconvening of the House of Commons today. And when they sat down at noon to, to vote on this, the Liberals immediately... Um, uh, called an adjournment. They, yeah, and and uh, and the uh, the negotiations have started behind closed doors to get rid of these uh, clauses that would give the liberals all this power. Well, it's funny that Pablo Rodriguez, who was the uh, liberal House leader, had actually um, what I'd read said you know within minutes stood up and adjourned the House. And then I think the statement that came out later that said they you know they were going to negotiate further, as you say, behind closed doors. To which I, th- I had yeah. to ask myself: Did they actually think it was just going to get rubber stamped in that form when they put in those kind of clauses? Yeah, they did, and I'll tell you why: because they thought that nobody would possibly vote against a bill called the COVID nineteen aid package or whatever they called it like um they thought it was kind of like when george w bush named uh the uh the patriot act they knew nobody could possibly vote against something called the patriot act well 
Good point. Yeah, and you know what? Mr. Trudeau is actually arrogant enough to, to think that, that, yeah, how could they vote against it? And I'd even read a, um, in a different article. I've read so many articles today, I can't keep track of which, which one gave me which bit of information. But one of the articles I had read through had said that Mr. Trudeau was actually hoping for or expecting support from the NDP on this. And then it, uh, that must have been Joe Oliver's article in the Toronto Sun. And then of course said, well, which did not come out. And it said the opposition actually did their jobs and, and opposed this. And the play that Joe Oliver had said was that, well, had Jagmeet saying, you know, just rubber stamp this, he would have shot himself in the foot for the rest of the session of parliament because he would just have been seen as Mr. Trudeau's lapdog. And I thought, pretty good point yeah and and he would have uh because they would have uh you know given this power to the pmo um jagmeet singh would basically be uh a forgotten footnote in parliament because um he would have no power no voice nothing so it, it would have been a stupid move for anybody. I mean, like, you know, the Bloc Québécois weren't going to accept that because the Bloc Québécois uh, would never accept anything that removed Quebec's influence. Well, exactly. Uh, and then Jagmeet Singh would ended up have been uh, the scapegoat for this had he actually supported it. Yeah, exactly. And then people would be going, holy crap, we live in a dictatorship now? How did this happen? And everybody would have said, well, Jagmeet Singh voted with them. Yeah, that's right. So uh, so I guess yeah. thank you, Mr. Singh, for not voting with the government on this. And yeah, yeah I mean, I'm still shaking my head on this one. And I'm going to take. I'm not. I'm more than shaking my head. I'm shaking my fist. Oh, I like this. is Yeah, this is this is something that we have been like as conservatives. We have been warning people since before Trudeau was even elected, um, back when uh, when he had that a night with Justin Trudeau and it was that women's only night. Remember it well. And, and they asked him, you know, what government out there do you, do you admire? And he said he admired ba- China's basic dictatorship. And... And that because they can, and his exact words were because they can turn their economy around on a dime. Yep. And he, that's exactly what he was trying to do today. Yep, exactly. And I mean, I guess thank you to the conservative uh, members of parliament for reading the legislation last night. And they, I'm not sure when last night they got it, but I, uh, after I'd recorded uh, last night's show, is when I saw the video by from Pierre Polyev, which then, of course, got me thinking. And, of course, I didn't get any information until today because that's when the media was able to start reporting. And I was actually angry earlier, and I texted you earlier today saying, like, boy, have I got some rants to, to get rid of now. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's just absolutely unbelievable um, that we – live in a country where a democratically elected prime minister is attempting to uh, circumvent democracy. I mean, I, I saw one reporter put it perfectly. They said that 
the uh, it, it's a, it's a constitutional coup d'état. Yeah, I, yeah, it is, and you know, I, I can actually when I hear Mr. Trudeau saying that while well, respect the democratic process and parliament and whatnot, he was pouting. He was pouting that he did not get his way. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I. This has been. Oh, what a day. Like, it's just crazy. I can't believe... I'm still just in shock and awe of what happened in the last 24 hours. You know, and if this doesn't make Canadians understand exactly who it is we have in charge and exactly how dangerous this government is, I, I don't know what it will take. Yeah, no, me neither. And I mean, and... um so let's let's talk a little bit about um, about coronavirus itself. Yeah, because there are actually some, um, some, some good uh, trends on coronavirus actually. So. Yeah, like such as here's here's one for you. Um, the mortality rate in Canada. Now this is how they figure out the mortality rate. They take the number of confirmed cases and divide the number of deaths into it, and that's your mortality rate. The problem with that calculation is that the number of confirmed uh, cases is how many people have tested positive. They are not counting the people who have it, but have not taken a test. And that includes people who have you know they've called the emergency number which in british columbia i don't know about the other provinces but in bc it is uh 811 they call that number they tell them their symptoms and they say you most likely have it stay home and you know here's what you got to do so those those cases are not included in the overall confirmed numbers so, but even if you don't include those, the mortality rate in Canada is exceptionally low. 1.3%, yeah. Oh, I think it's lower than that, isn't it? Uh, well, go, going by the numbers, when I, like uh, last night, when I looked just before the show, um, in 20, yeah. 2,500 cases and there was 29 fatalities. So... Okay. Either it's 1.3 right. or maybe it's 0.13 even. Actually, yeah, maybe it's 0.13. Yeah, it might be 0.13. Yeah. No, you know what it is? I think you're right. I think it is 1.3%. Okay. So. Now, if, now, once they start including all these cases that are not test confirmed, that number goes down even further. Right. And probably by a significant margin, probably by double. I would say so. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that there's a lot of people who never even made the call to 811 who just were feeling a little off for a couple of days and then and got better, yep. you know. Well, they say that, um, that uh, the majority of people who test positive don't even re- don't even experience any symptoms. So you I mean, we really could be like I've seen some estimates by some uh like pandemic doctors, like guys, like scientists that, that specialize in pandemics, 
who say that it's probably the number of infected is probably five times what we see right now, like of confirmed cases. Right. Wow. So if that's so if that's the case, our mortality rate is exceptionally low, extremely low. Yeah, I think so low. Canada's done quite so well. Low, yeah. Yeah, so low. In fact, that there's really no reason why we can't isolate the vulnerable and allow the uh, the rest of us to continue keeping the economy rolling. Because if we do what Italy has done, there will be nothing left for us to come back to. And there will be, and, and, um, and this is not uh, hyperbole or conjecture, it's, it's true. This num- the number of suicides are going to skyrocket. Oh, without, without a doubt. So how many, lives, how many lives are you really saving if the cure is worse than the disease? That's actually a really good way to put it. And I mean, that goes in the bankruptcy crisis that's, that's you know, looming right over our shoulders. Because once we come out of this crisis then we're going yeah. to be dealing with the, with the you know, massive insolvencies. And, you know, you and I discussed several times that half of Canadians are already broke. I mean, $200 per month or less away from not paying their bills. Well, now a lot yeah. of those same Canadians are on EI, paying 55% of their wage. So if they could make it on yeah. 100% of their wage, they're, you know, they're really behind the eight ball now. And uh, yeah. here's a statistic for you. I just read this actually probably an hour before we started the show today. From March 16th to March 23rd, good thing you're sitting down in your truck or your car, um, 929,000 employment insurance claims. Yep. One week. Yep, one week. And that's, I mean, that's insane. That's uh, an average week is 20,000 claims. So that's fifty fold. Yep. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. What happened in Italy? They keep saying, you know, everybody keeps saying the government keeps saying, uh, you know, we don't want to have happen here what happened in Italy. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but it what happened in Italy cannot even possibly happen here. And. There's several factors for that. The three biggest ones. Italy never took any precautions at all. None. They went from zero precautions to full-scale lockdown overnight. So that's the first can, the first reason why what happened in Italy can't happen here. The second reason is because Italy is very densely populated. Right. Whereas Canada is not. We're very spread out. It's a lot of the, the things travel like spread a lot slower here than they would in Italy. Right. The third the third reason, sorry, I've got four, not three. <laughs> the third reason is an extraordinary amount of Italians smoke. Canadians have a smoking rate of 14%. Italy is something closer to 50%. And 
their average age in Italy is so much higher than Canada's. It's shocking how much higher their average age is. But Italy has a very old population. So they've got an old population that smokes, lives in densely populated cities and, and, uh, and areas where they all live in multi-generational housing. So you've got grandparents living with their kids who also have their own children all living in the same house. It's a very popular and common thing in Italy. Right. Canadians can't stand their parents. <laughs> we don't do that here. That, that's, no, that, that's true. And actually, it's funny you mentioned smoking because that was something that uh, I said I heard in China. said two-thirds of Chinese men smoke. And yeah. what do you know? That, you know the virus yeah. went nuts in China. Yeah. Yeah, they have like it's well over sixty percent of Chinese men, and it's around forty percent of Chinese women. Oh my! So, yeah, it's it's a uh, Japan has the same the same statistic. Um, South Korea has has a lot of smokers too. Oh my! Like living in living in Canada, like we're we're not used to smokers anymore because. Man, when I was a kid, it was like 30% or something, and now it's only 14 Yeah, there's not a lot of smokers left, really. No, no. I mean, I mean, over in some of those countries, smoking is actually a uh, status symbol, almost. Like in Japan, that's how it started. So did, same with in China. It, though, it started as a status symbol because not everybody could afford to smoke. Oh, okay. So. All right. So it was the same. It was the same way that obesity back in, you know, the fifteen, sixteen hundreds meant you had money. Right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember reading that. I should say. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. It says. It, yeah. <laughs> you remember it? Really? You remember? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. Yeah. But yeah, no. It's it, it's the same. It's the same mentality, right? If you can afford to do it, even if it's bad for you, if you can afford to do it, it means you have money. Right. Yeah. Now, actually, speaking of money, I'm gonna, and this is gonna be an odd segue. Um, we talked before. Never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, Mr. Mr. Trudeau has politicized this by trying to create an omnibus bill to make him a dictator. And I had not heard the name the the, the name Friends of Medicare for probably a decade, but Friends of Medicare and their friends in the Canadian Health Coalition decided to release a statement today saying that this crisis shows the need for a fully public health care system in Canada. We must keep the private sector out of our health care because, and this is what really ticked me off, um, we need to ensure that, that testing and hospital stays are free. And how many times have you and I said this, health care is not free, Canada? <laughs> Nothing is free. Nothing is free. And in Saskatchewan, and the numbers are similar across most provinces, but in Saskatchewan, healthcare is 42% of our government expenditures. That is not free, yeah. people. That is not free. It's only 42%? Yeah. For, in Saskatchewan? Yep. Wow, that's the, probably the lowest in the country. Oh, my gosh. That, I, that, I, I hate to hear that. Yeah, no, because there's, uh, I believe... In the Maritimes, it may, uh, makes up over fifty percent. Oh my gosh! And I think 
I think in BC it's 48 or 50% of the budget. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, but it's free. Oh yeah, it's free. I mean, you're taxed to death. No, friends of Medicare, fr- friends of Medicare are just a bunch of communists. Oh, oh yeah. Mean, we've known that. Every, we we've known that. I mean, that's that's I, like friends of Medicare. Wasn't that a? It started out as an Alberta group, wasn't it? Yeah, it? it did. Yeah, and it was um, Shirley Douglas. I remember they were big. Yeah, they were big back in uh, the days of. Uh, um, uh, Ralph Klein. They were, yeah, that's right. And I remember there was a rally they had one time that I had attended in Edmonton, and they'd had Shirley Douglas and uh, Kiefer Sutherland come out to to speak. Yes, and yeah, they're. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're a bunch of wingnuts. But just when they, it really ticks me off when they talk about you know our free health care. It's like it is so far from free. Like I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not actually opposed yeah. to uh, to a single payer system, but. I mean, it's the system as it is right now is just not sustainable, and people just cannot seem to get that through their heads. No, no, absolutely, you're correct on that. All right, so there's one more thing I want to hit on here because I know we've only got a few more minutes to uh, to talk here, and but one of the articles I was reading today too had said something which is actually along the same lines as how I was thinking, but I had never really thought of that angle they said. And that was the Conservative Party leadership race. I mean, you've seen Aaron O'Toole had been calling for the race to be suspended, you know, given the current situation. And Peter McKay had said, well, we should get it done more quickly instead of suspending it. I was in favor. Yeah, his, word, his actual words were, let's vote now. Yeah, and I mean, I was kind of more in line with Peter McKay's thinking. I was thinking, well, I shouldn't say that. I was thinking we should still just, continue to have the leadership race and we need to select a leader to be there for when the debt crisis comes on after this Wuhan virus crisis is over because this yeah. government is going to fall sooner than later. And my, well, my, my hope anyway. And so we need to have a leader for the conservative party in place. Now this article I was reading today had said that we need to have a leader for the conservative party in place so that there's stable leadership to fight the next election. So kind of, you know, it's just extending my point, but it just reinforces to me more than ever that we've got to forge ahead with this, with this uh, leadership race, regardless of current circumstances. No, I, I agree. But I think, I think Peter McKay is more, uh, more in line with my thinking right now in that we need a permanent leader with the conservative party um to be oh, yeah. fighting this and um because because andrew Shear doesn't have any teeth now like he's a he's a lame duck right that's right so we we need a, a a permanent leader and we need him now so i i would not be opposed i mean i'm i keep saying we but i'm not even a registered member of the conservative party so um i don't have a say but uh Peter McKay is, uh, I mean, he's, he's right in this matter. And I think the conservatives need to have their leadership vote in, you know, then in the next month. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. I think that uh, they've already passed the deadline as far as, or actually I guess the deadline officially is tomorrow to have candidates get their three hundred thousand dollars and get their sign their three thousand signatures so as far as i'm concerned after tomorrow the 25th 
there's absolutely no reason that we can't uh, push ahead and have a vote, even in April, right? not yeah. wait till June. It's you, You've said it exactly right. I mean, they need to have a secure permanent leader that Canadians can take seriously. And it's not that Andrew Scheer is not a serious politician, but you're right. He's a lame duck. Everybody knows he's only, you know, keeping the chair warm until the next leader comes along. So let's get that leader. Let's get this done so we can move ahead. And I mean, I thought it was too long of a campaign anyway. Um, I I, I don't understand why the leadership campaigns are like three times longer than a, than a general election, but I mean, it's kind of like the primaries in the States. Like it's ridiculous. Like it takes a year and a half to choose a, a candidate. Like, give me a break. But, but so, yeah, I think they need to get it done and get it done quick. I mean, everybody can vote online. Most people do vote online anyway. Uh, the last leadership convention, only 4% voted in person. So let's just do it. Just get it done. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, we can't uh, – I don't think and we it, can wait anymore. Yeah, like, and it's in, light not... of the, and in light of what's going on right now, I, I almost think that they should be waiving that $300,000 fee – and telling them to give that money back to the donors. Yeah, you know what? That's actually not uh, not a horrible idea because given the the economic situation yeah. that we're in, it's uh, yeah, the money could be certainly much better spent. And I, by I those think, individual I think that Canadians. would actually uh, play really, really well in the media. If you you want to get political about it, like it it would play really well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's yeah. a good point. So. Okay, man. Well, it was uh, we really we <laughs> we really needed to get this off our chest today because I know both Tony and I were were uh, we're both like firing texts back and forth today saying, "Oh my God, we got to <laughs> talk about this today because this is insane." So I'm glad we did. And uh, until then, uh, I'm I'm Lewis out here in BC. And I'm Tony in Saskatchewan. Thank you so much for joining us, whether it's on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts now, uh, Google Podcasts, or wherever you found us. Thank you for tuning in to Canadian Common Sense.